as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Joining us on 710KURV, we're discussing the future, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Gen Z. And Republicans, interesting combination, but that's why we're having that conversation right now. We're having that conversation with Juan Pablo Villasmil, who is uh, Intercollegiate Studies Institute Editorial Fellow at uh, Spectator World and a Young Voices contributor. He joins us now. So this has been a conversation I've been having with Davey, is uh, what happens when Trump is gone uh, next election? Win or lose, right? Win or lose, in 2028, they've got some some uh introspective searching they've got to do and this leads us to gen z so what uh let's set the stage here what what is your take on this thank you for having me so i would say not only in the next years but this year gen z is going to play and will continue to play a role that will be tremendous we are 20 percent of the population there's around seven 70 million of us in the u.s alone and of course that's what matters because we're in the u.s and in 2016 most of us couldn't vote i couldn't vote but now we can half of us can vote and by 2030 all of us will be eligible to vote so what exactly are we going to do about them the reality is is that conservatives and republicans usually don't focus on gen c because it's not their core demographic so i understand Gen Z is not going to show up massively to the primaries, for example. But we still matter. And now that we're dissatisfied with Joe Biden, 35% of us are unhappy. Only 35% of us, sorry, are happy with Biden. Republicans have an opening to actually exploit this weakness and maybe not necessarily drive the outreach 30% 30% higher from Gen C toward Republicans, but at least keep that enthusiasm for Democrats low. And slowly but surely, I'm sure that Republicans could do some work to at least target us. And one of the people that did that during the campaign was Vivek Ramaswamy, which a lot of the boomers didn't like, but some of the Gen C people grew to love him because he was on TikTok and on Instagram and doing all these funny things. Uh, at least try to reach a different audience. And by different, I mean young. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like that. Uh, I, I, I describe Vivek Ramaswamy as that scene from Back to the Future when Michael J. Fox is on stage of the with the with the electric guitar saying, y- you guys might not like that right now, but your kids are going to love this. Uh, the GOP, I don't know if they have that that uh, that card in their deck yet. But they might, they might be more a little bit more open to it. So let's let's compare the GOP to the Democrats right now. How good are the the Democrats at what? Are, what are the Democrats doing to court Gen Z that that the GOP isn't? 
So the big thing is it's money. Of course, there's you know trying to talk like us and to us, but it's also money. To be honest, I, I understand that a lot of Republicans don't like TikTok, and I agree to some degree. Like, yeah, TikTok is owned by a foreign entity that also happens to be our biggest geopolitical competitor. So that's not it's not great, but. More than 50% of people on Gen C are young folks. And even if you find being on TikTok sacrilegious, consider Snapchat. Snapchat has over 100 million users in the U.S. Half of those are under the age of 26. During the midterms, Democrats spent 15 times more money on political ads on Snapchat than Republicans. So if Republicans try to match... The spending on Snapchat, for instance, there might be a change in how many young Americans are listening to their message. Not only that, but trying to frame messages to Gen Z. So a lot of things that we see during the debate, it's usually you'll see Ron DeSantis, well, you used to see him, or Nikki Haley, or Trump, talk about your kids. So they'll say, your kids, your kids, your kids. Wait, take a second and don't talk about your kids. Talk to the kids. Not to the 7-year-olds, but to the 18-year-olds and to the 20-year-olds. They should try, not all the time, I understand that there's other voters, but they should at least try to have some messages directly focused on the youth. And if they do that, I'm absolutely certain that more young people are going to like the message and probably vote for that candidate. Joining us on 710KURV is Juan Pablo Villasmil. He's got an article in The Hill uh, titled, Republican Candidates Ignore Gen Z at Their Peril. I'm a millennial, our resident boomer, no offense. Davis Rankin uh, has a question for you, Juan. Uh, I, it's not offensive to be a boomer, and I don't know why you keep obsessing <laughs> about that. Um, boomers are for, were born between 46 and 64, Gen X, 65 to 78. That means you. Uh, millennials, 79 to 1995, and then Gen Z picks up 1996 to 2010. So what is a uh, what, what are uh, uh, Gen Z folks interested in? What would candidates talk to them about? Yeah, so if, if you read the articles online, you'll probably listen to something about the environment or LGBTQ issues and how we're, how we're all progressive liberals. But there's a lot of studies that show that that's not necessarily true. We, NPR reported actually in the midterms that there were around 25% of young voters who were Republicans, were siding with the Republicans. And those siding with the Democrats were above 30%, but not above 40%. So there's a lot of independents and there's, there's also a sizable number of conservatives. So forget about that. I think that what we need with Gen C, aside from all the cultural issues, it's a broad conversation about our future. So Vivek Ramaswamy talked about the black hole in the hearts of young Americans. And he talked about how we were facing a loneliness epidemic. We were facing a, a mental health crisis. Suicide rates among young generations don't continue to drop. They only go up and up and up. And it's a message like who's, who, who wants uh, their kids to be lonely? Who wants ask a young person to be lonely who doesn't want to have a future in a country that they're proud of in 
that who doesn't want to pay rent? All these things are things that you can talk to Gen C. They're non-controversial, and you can do them by mentioning them by name. So right now, if, if I talk to you and you're a young person and I'm telling you I care about you and I want you to have a future, that's going to have an effect. And we're not doing that enough. Like, it's not necessarily that we have to become progressive liberals, as some Republican strategists might think. No, forget that. Scrap that. We only need to talk to the youth, not change our message that much, just to talk to them. What would you tell us for you, Davey? Does that satisfy you? Not not to be contrary, but yeah, it sounds like when you talk to an audience, talk to what they're interested in, and obviously you're going to be interested in something different than what an 18 or 19-year-old, but um, Juan has a point, though. Juan has a point, though. Honestly, Juan, I'll give you a good example. The the global warming thing. I know know the GOP doesn't like the whole global warming thing, so they... Uh, a lot of times they'll just uh, deflect that question, which was why I was really excited when they came up with the the one trillion trees project, I think it was, or something like that. And they were they actually got the Democrats to say that is such a ludicrous idea that would never work. They actually got the Democrats to say that planting trees was a bad idea. No. <laughs> I thought it was fabulous. But the point that I'm trying to make here is instead of just deflecting and saying, oh, well, that's out of line. We don't agree with that. Here is our solution that will satisfy xyz problem that you have dear demographic well, rather than just saying well no no we don't mess with that i'm sorry you're gonna have to get out of here yeah, because back in the day of politics and juan's gonna agree with me this david that we the 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 political party is supposed to come to you and say hey what are your problems that are concerning you and it's our job to come up with a way to come up with a policy that's going to deal with all that stuff right one yeah definitely so uh, the way i see it, it it's not necessarily that there are not specific issues that Gen C cares more about. For instance, as you mentioned, the environment. Gen C tends to be, even Republicans tend to be more pro doing something about climate change and so on. And it also applies with, for instance, legalizing weed. So when you see a lot of polls, young people don't see weed in a negative light. Broader America has different perspectives, though. So sometimes, and I'm, I'm talking here strictly as a strategist, I'm not even talking about my personal opinion. Sometimes you can just leave those issues aside. Like you don't see a lot, and Republicans in a way are already doing this. Like you don't see a lot of Republicans talking about weed or talking about how climate change doesn't exist to the broader audience, right? Because it, it's not a good message and it's not going to appeal to a lot of people. And with young people specifically, those apply even more so. So if you're a, if you're Donald Trump, if you're Nikki Haley, you should be trying to talk to young people about the issues that we already know that they care about. And those that we are uncertain or those that we know that are very divisive, you can talk to them about, you can talk less about them. Like it's okay. Like if you want to win an election, don't talk that much on divisive issues. I, I know a lot of people got angry with Trump when he said that, you know, he's not talking a lot about abortion and he's, he's saying that he wants to reach in the middle ground or whatever. <laughs> I don't think that means that he's suddenly pro-choice or pro-abortion. He's just thinking strategy. And I think Republicans need to think strategy. And Gen Z should be part of that strategy. 
It's 200 IQ, baby. That's what I'm telling you. 200 IQ. Juan, thanks a lot for your time. Thank we you. appreciate it. Juan Villasmil is an intercollegiate studies institute editorial fellow at Spectator World. He's got a uh, uh, he's got his opinion piece at thehill.com. Republican candidates ignore Gen Z at their peril. You're listening to News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 and KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. We take you now, dear listener, to our friends in Cameron County, the Cameron County Republican Party. Joining us now on 710 KURV is the secretary of the party in Cameron County is Ted Hassey. And, uh, He's sounding the alarm. We could use some poll workers right now. So what's going on? Oh, absolutely. The uh, election law, if people didn't notice, it changed. And although we are moving to a countywide system like you have in Hidalgo, this time we're caught in a rock and a hard place. So we have almost twice as many polling sites that we have to have by law than we are used to having. So we are really in need of Republicans to come work at the Republican primary. This isn't a general. This is just Republicans voting. Yeah, this is the Republican primary. And so um, you're sounding the alarm and trying to find people in uh, Cameron County that are, uh, first off, Republicans, or at least lean that way, and are willing to, uh, what does it take to be a poll worker for those that don't know? Okay, poll workers, there's basically three categories. There's the clerk. They're the people who you're used to when you go to vote. You know, you present your ID. They look you up. They give you a little strip. Okay, we need those people. There are the people who are the judges and alternate judges, and they're the ones who make sure everything is set up, check off the lists, make sure all the seal tags you know, do all the legal requirements to make sure that it's a clean election. And we need both kinds of people, and we have the training available through the county elections office. Remy does an excellent job at training. Yeah, I, I, I will admit that, too. Um, everybody in uh, in the respective counties do a great job at training. I've been a part of it. I've been a poll worker myself. And, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a full day of work. But it's not uh, grueling or taxing. But I will say that you do have rush hours, kind of like uh, at a fast food place or something. You know, there's a there's the morning rush, there's the lunchtime rush, and then there's the dinner rush. And uh, that's the only time that things kind of get stressful or, or heated. But it's it's pretty chill otherwise. I'll tell you. Well, it's like they say in the military: it's long stretches of boredom, uh, uh, coupled by intense activity. It's it's uh, it's it's kind of fun. It does get paid, okay? The the Secretary of State furnishes 
pay pay for these people and the the lowest end is is like eleven dollars so it's not like you're just wasting a day you get paid for it and uh let me give you if you're if we've got any cameron republicans that are interested please call or email me my phone number is 956-455-1925 or you can email me at tad dot Hasse, that's H-A-S-S-E, at gmail.com. And uh, I'll try and get the the CameronRepublicans.com website updated with the absolute most current information for people who are interested, and we need the people. Our guest is Tad Hasse, the secretary of the Cameron County Republican Party, joining us on 710 KURV. They're looking for poll workers right now which is different than poll watchers this is a paid position and uh, you get trained by the guys at uh, cameron county elections department to uh, show up on election day for uh, the primary so that uh, we all we can have people working the polls and right now they're in need of a of, can you give us an idea of how many people that you need tad sure basically the the new layout added basically 40 workers to our usual demands, which is like like about a 40% increase in the number that we normally have. And not everybody feels that they can do this, but really anybody can. It's, it's a clerical position. If you voted before, you've seen the process. This time you're just sitting on the other side of the table. Yeah, it is a very simple process. You wait for the people to come in, and you ask for the ID, and you check them on the system, and you do the whole sticker thing, and uh, you walk them through the the process on the on the election machine. And there's there's a few other rules that go into it, obviously for for legal reasons. But uh, it's it's a fairly simple uh, job, and it does pay. Uh, it actually pays uh, pretty decent. Not gonna lie, when I was doing it, uh, <laughs> it was it, I was working part time at the time when I was a poll worker, and I said I'm gonna take today off right as a part-timer and i'm going to work full-time an entire day and i got a pretty neat check from it i yeah i had to uh i had to even though i i got paid more at my day job because we needed people in the past i would always take a vacation day and go work the polls to give them the people they wanted uh we're a little extra short this time because uh, in, in the sign of a healthy party, we, we have contested precinct chairs. I, we have more than I've ever seen. I mean, these pe- people really want to be involved in the party. But guess what? If you're on the ballot, even as a precinct chair, you can't work that precinct. So we've got some people that are sidelined because they're on the ballot. Hey, well, honestly, I'll, I'll uh, be the the glass half full type of guy. These are these are good growing pains problems to have within the party Absolutely. because you have a lot of people that are very interested in in participating and and looking forward and trying to make the party grow. But it does, yeah, it does create another problem in where yeah, we need poll workers, and it's not like it's not like we have a warehouse other than that we can just crack open and be like, okay, we're going to distribute them over here. We kind of have to recruit them and uh, put them through the training so uh what's the what's the deadline for this how long do you have to recruit people in cameron county for poll workers uh for the republican party and uh, to get them all trained well the election these are for this is basically for election day which is march 5th and we really and during that period of time early vote is going on so the election office is is pretty busy 
as soon as they can let me know it would be it would be best our our absolute deadline is probably about two weeks from now you know uh because yeah. I, I don't want to just like show up and, and ask poor Remy, hey, Remy, I've got 20 people to train as he's trying to <laughs> load equipment up into, into vans and stuff. So uh, the sooner you can let us know that you're at least interested and we could talk about it, the better. I mean, today would be wonderful, but I would say within the next two weeks, please. I, I have a, a question that might be outside of your uh, realm of knowledge, but uh, do they necessarily have to live in Cameron County? Like, can we volunteer some people from Hidalgo to head over there? I believe you have to be a resident of the county. Um, but you're right. I, I could get, I'd be happy to uh, check with Remy on that. I hadn't hadn't thought about reaching across, across the county uh, lines for that. But I imagine I mean, you all are probably not quite in the same situation because you already have the countywide voting. And... The uh, the law did actually increase the number of, of required polling sites in those counties, but it wasn't like we were faced with. But I'll be I, I will check with Remy and, and uh, get back to you and let you know. So yeah, not not know. that and Hidalgo County is going to you know volunteer some people over there. Yeah, we got our own uh, problems over here on this side. No, I'm I'm joking, but uh, there might be some people within the sound of my voice that are listening to the program and have never done this before, and they might be like, well, you know, I'll I'll help out and I'll volunteer. Hopefully, you know, Hidalgo County has everything squared away. I haven't caught up with them on this yet, but uh, if I, if anybody's interested you know, in either county, uh, that'd be great to know. We're really kind of regional, and it, it, and sometimes it's kind of. Uh, a sad thing that Cameron and Hidalgo are separated by a county line because we have so many interests in common. It, it, it's almost almost all of them, except the uh, the fighting between the cities for who's biggest. But politically, we're we're all on the same page if you're Republican. Absolutely. Hey, I uh, I want to I want to uh, get you to say the info one more time, and uh, I'll, I'm willing to sure. have you on again too once we find out if we can have. Uh, like a cross-sectional, you know, poll worker coming from Hidalgo over there to Cameron Absolutely. or things like that. I'll have you on again to talk about that. But just to clarify, everybody listening right now, uh, let's just say for right now as Cameron County people, if you're interested in becoming a poll worker in Cameron County for the Cameron County Republican Party, uh, who do they call if they're interested? Yeah, they can, they can call me because I got my phone with me 24-7. My phone number is 956-455-455. One nine two five. I'm on Facebook. There's only one Tad Hasse in the entire world. T A D H A S S E. That's on Facebook. Or they can email me at tad.hasse at gmail.com. And we'll get this. We'll get this party started. All right. Thanks a lot. That's what we like to hear. That's Tad Hasse, the secretary for the Cameron County Republican Party, joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. I love your show. Hello. Hello. Having our voices heard. That's right. Yeah. You live and you learn. Exactly right. This is our country. Use your heads on this stuff. Bingo. Sick of the talking heads. I agree with you. Talk, 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 talk. Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm here. I'm just listening. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Everyone is so smart. They are so dumb. Who is she the judge? Stand up to do something. 
the Valley's only News Talk station, News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Uh, joining us right now to talk about something that happened on Friday, and we spent a lot of time talking about that then. We will continue talking about it as it unfolds, especially since we are in the we are we now that this directly affects the valley with uh, with next decade LNG coming to town and setting up shop. This directly affects us. But uh, Jay Young is an oil and gas expert, and he joins us now on seven ten K U R V. He's the the uh, the the head over at King Operating Corporation, and he's been in the oil and gas business for a real long time. His family too. So uh, LNG. They're not sending out any new. They're not going to be approving any new permits for any of those developments. They're going to be putting the like a vice on uh, any uh, LNG exports. And so I wanted to get your opinion on that, Jay. Yeah, good good question. I tell you, it's a hot topic right now. Matter of fact, I wanted to make sure that I, that um, I mean you could be on the same page talking about the same subject before I I got on, and I was like, okay, let me Google, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much. There's there's so much information right now in regards to what's going on in the market. You know what what's LNG? Why why do we need it? Why do we not need it? You know and um, you know the, the the big thing is it would be great for us to be able to export natural gas without question. Hey, the well, more we what, produce a, here, the better the price is, the better. Tell you what, that's a good place to start off with for people that don't know what LNG is. And, and how it's produced. Let's start there. Yeah, liquefied natural gas, LNG. And and so the natural gas that anybody that's any, been anywhere close to an oil field, you've seen the flares, gas flares. That's natural gas coming up from oil and gas wells. And, and there's some wells that are just natural gas. But with with LNG, liquefied natural gas, what, what we need to do is we produce a tremendous amount of natural gas. And if we have a warm winter like we are right now, natural gas prices are, are lower. But that's not the question. You're not asking about supply and demand. You're asking about what's going on with LNG and are we going to be able to export it? And, and if so, what's that going to do to the market? And what, what, about, what about Biden? Because, you know, one of my biggest questions that I'm asking people right now is, hey, with the election, are you going to vote with your heart or your checkbook? You know, because a lot of people say, hey, well, you know what? Biden's better for my business. So I'm in the old business and old prices will go up. And I, I like that. Or are you going to say, nope, I'm a Republican. I'm voting Trump. He's drill, baby, drill. And are you, are you going to vote that way? So that's that's a part of big discussions that you'll be able to, to come in with on uh, kingoperating.com. Give me your thoughts on that as well. But let's talk about Biden. Biden does not like... Biden does not like um, LNG. He doesn't like oil and gas. He doesn't like anything to do with any fossil fuels, obviously. With his first day in office, he, with a stroke of a pen, he took down a pipeline, permits. You know, I mean, obviously he's not good for our, for our industry. Or he is I good for it. our industry because prices go up. You're right. Um, you know, Jay so, Young is an oil and gas expert joining us on 710KURV. And... Uh, there was one claim from the Sierra Club I wanted to throw at you and get your reaction on. They say that um, some of these 
these projects, there's uh, 12 projects in particular that would spew out, this is LNG we're talking about, they would spew out as much pollution as 223 coal plants do each year. That sounds a little high to me. Yeah, I, yeah, that, that does seem a lot, lot high, and then, and I don't know. I mean, that's, I don't know. Let's talk about LNG. What, what do you do with LNG? Right, you take LNG overseas. So, like Russia, Ukraine, some of those countries don't have enough LNG. China is a big. They, they need a lot of natural gas, and and um, so that's that's where a lot of this natural gas would go. If Biden would would allow us to go overseas and and produce it in the United States and send it overseas. Um, so, yes, you're right. I mean, there, there's, there, there's been gas wells that have, have uh, there, there's the record gas well that's been spewing tremendous amount of gas up in the, in the ozone, the, the atmosphere for something like 30 years. And it, and it's, and it dwarfs every bit of wells cumulative of the Permian Basin, but they're, Nobody's talking about it. It's not in. It's not in the United States. It's um, over in um, Iraq or Iran. I can't remember exactly where it is. But yeah, I mean, there's there's always going to be people multiplying times ten times a hundred. <laughs> all the different right. possibilities that it could hurt us. It, we're good. We're not going to get hurt. Everything's fine. We just need to be able to do more business. And, yeah, and- uh, hey, Biden's a politician, man. That's, that's, he's a politician. He, he, he yeah, and it's care, always the gonna... U.S. that's the problem, right, Jay? It's always the U.S. that's the problem. We're one of the cleanest countries mm-hmm. on the planet, but it, it, you're right in that this move would cause other countries to to use dirtier energy. Right, right. And, and our problem is, in the United States, is, is obviously, you know, politics, and it doesn't matter which which side you're on. You're on the blue side, the red side. If you want to go with... with um, you know, if you want to go with Republicans right now, and that's what is really a big. I had dinner with um, uh, Mark Cuban in 2012. I'll never forget me and me and three or four others, and we were talking to him, and it was the election night, and he was. Uh, we talked about Obama. He was going to vote for Obama, and we're like, okay, so why are you going to vote for Obama? And he said, well, the reason I'm voting for Obama is because I know exactly what I'm getting with Obama. I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a Democrat. I'm not saying I'm Republican or, or non-Republican. He said, this time, at this point, I'm going to vote for him because I know exactly what I'm going to get with Obama, with Obamacare. And he said, with all our businesses, that's very important for us right now. So he voted for Obama. Well, okay. That's, that's my next question is, you know, is there going to be a lot of people this year vote, vote Republican, vote Democrat? Or are you, are you going to vote Republican? Because you like to Trump, you know, drill baby drill, and you think it's 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 better for our industry. It is. It brings gas prices down. Obviously, a hundred percent. But as an oil and gas person, you know, Democrats are better because they don't know what they're doing. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say it out loud on your on your radio show. But but <laughs> they don't know what's going on, or they don't understand. You know, hey, how do we how do we make this this how do I make my country worth more money? Well, if oil and gas prices go up, well, that doesn't have anything to do with voting for Trump, right? Absolutely not. So we need to vote. We need to we need to get get ahead and vote for go and vote for our boy. I mean, or yeah. I could not vote at all. I mean, I, I, I agree too that uh, 
Biden too hasn't been doing all that great with things like the strategic petroleum reserve. Like he hasn't he hasn't even uh entertained the idea that hey, we need we kind of need to fill that back up. He's been using it to to try to sway elections. Remember the he was trying to bring the gas prices down during the midterm so that he could yeah. get a couple extra votes. Exactly. That's all he did. Sucked out some of our our, our, our oil out of the strategic reserves. He hadn't filled it up because he, he, he would just get another, you know, mark against him because it, it would cost him $70 a barrel where Trump filled it up at $20, $30 a barrel. Plus, where's he going to get the money? I mean, he doesn't have any money. You know, he, he, he's going to have to borrow the money to buy oil at $70 a barrel. And we don't have the oil. We simply don't have the oil. In the United States, we were so close and we're so – it's such a small line on supply and demand. And if, if something happens, barely happens anywhere, I'll tell you, it is just not good for, for oil and gas prices. So it's very small on our uh, on our, on our um, idea of drilling and, and completing wells – What's our what's our production? What's our demand? But the big thing to me is I, I believe demand is going to continue to go up. It's not going to go down anytime soon. We're going to need more more oil and gas. You know, we're going to need more oil and gas overseas. It helps it helps the United States. You know, and let's talk about this real quick. I'm not sure, sure. How, much, how much more time you have or how much time I have. I, I got about a minute you're still here. There. Uh, if you're you're still there? To, no, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, but but okay, let's talk about LNG. Why do we want? Why do we want plants to open up overseas in LNG? Because we want to we want to sell gas to other countries, other than ourselves. If we don't, prices are going to go down. And why is that? Because we're going to have so much supply on the markets here in the United States that it's going to go way down, and it's not going to be good for the economy. It's not going to be good for a lot of people. You know, now if you're a, if you're a, if you're on the other end of that, and all all you see is all you see is um, you know as a as a person that's going to need natural gas in your house, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be good. It's gonna be good for you. That'll be good for you. But it's not not gonna be good for the other eighty percent of the the market that that needs that needs those kind of that activity to be able to keep prices you know up. If 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 he opened up the the boundaries and said, "Yes, hey, it's all over. We can, we can uh, open up LNG. We can sell to to China, for an example. Yeah, you'll see prices a lot healthier and a lot better, and and they're not going to go up that much. But it's just a really big, it, it's really big for everybody, including including the United States, and it's good for other countries, so they don't have to pay so much from, um, you know, some of the like Russia was sending." Sending out a tremendous amount of, um, you know, they're 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 charging twenty dollars per MCF, where we could sell it to them for ten dollars, make a really good living. Wow. Hey Jay, thanks a lot for the information. Appreciate your time, and it's always fun talking to you. From King Operating Corporation, KingOperating.com. It's Jay Young, oil and gas expert on seven ten KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. 
You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids are running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURB and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Oh, man. Uh, Patrick Svitek from the Texas Tribune. Uh, we got to talk about the embattled Attorney General of the Mighty Republic of Texas, Ken Paxton. And uh, yeah, Patrick Svitek is here to, uh, to tell us that story. So, what happened? Oh, what do you want to know? <laughs> but let me let me back up and start with the Texas Tribune article that, that got posted on the 25th. Uh, the headline, Republican senator who voted to acquit Paxton wants Senate to consider reopening impeachment proceedings. Like, that's going to happen. And this is from Senator Drew Springer, who is a Republican from Munster. And I know where Munster is because I've been there. It's north of Abilene, way out in the big, big country. Uh, so what has possessed this guy and what does he think he's getting by saying, let's do what we all know is not going to be done? Great question. So the, the moment that we're in right now with the Paxton whistleblower case is that Paxton and his top aides have been ordered by a district court judge in Travis County to sit for depositions starting Thursday of this week with Paxton having to sit for a deposition on Thursday of this week. And really everything you've probably seen in the Tribune and from other media in, in recent days is all about Paxton's efforts to try to fight that order to sit for a deposition on Thursday. And so you have seen him uh, try a number of di- different legal maneuvers to not have to sit for a deposition, the most notable of which is Paxton effectively reversing his position in the original lawsuit and saying, you know what, I'm not going to fight this lawsuit any longer. I'm going to I'm going to say I don't contest any of the facts in this lawsuit, and I'm just going to let a a judge enter a judgment as they see fit, um, which is a, a pretty unusual and desperate, yeah. as critics would say, uh, move. Which you you just don't see a, a a defendant take that position in this kind of lawsuit often. And so that brings us to what you mentioned, which is State Senator Drew Springer who was one of the Republicans who voted to acquit Paxton in the Senate, he put out a letter that basically said, you know, wait, hold up. Now Paxton is effectively saying he doesn't contest these allegations after we, you know, voted to acquit him based on his, you know, partly based on his argument and his insistence that he was innocent. Um, So, you know, Senator Springer is saying, uh, you know, is there a way to reopen the impeachment proceeding in the Senate? And Mm -hmm. as you point out, that is very unlikely to happen. I don't think they're, um, you know, even among some Republican senators who may privately feel that way, they probably don't want to reopen this issue and make a huge, you know, public spectacle out of it. But it still is a remor- remarkable thing for Drew Springer to say out loud, um, given that the Republican, you know, senators who voted to acquit Paxton. Um, you know, they, they cast their votes and they've, you know, put out brief statements and then they've basically put, tried to put this issue behind them. They haven't really spoken out about it in any significant way. And now Drew Springer comes along 
and suggests that they revisit the impeachment. Um, so it is a pretty remarkable statement from Senator Springer. He is not seeking re-election, so the political stakes for him are lower. It's easier for him politically to say this. But again, given how that block of Republican senators, you know, has, you know, mm-hmm. was pretty unified in the impeachment trial, it is it is remarkable to see one of them step out of line like this. Yeah, and I'm sure the wound is still kind of fresh over the I word there. Um, any word on the, well, we're speaking with uh, Patrick Svitek from the Texas Tribune. Davey, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, follow, follow up. Uh, he's retiring from public life. And the uh, lieutenant governor, for whom uh, I you say, guess you could say he voted for the lieutenant governor, savaged him in another tweet. Just read him the riot act. Uh, the issue apparently is the lieutenant, the attorney general, does not want to sit for a deposition. He doesn't want to be sworn and answer questions about, I guess, the way he treated these whistleblowers. They're saying that he was up to no good. They blew the whistle on him. He fired him. What's what do you well, think? I just want to. Can, can you go ahead? Yeah, I just want to set the record straight on one thing you said there, if you don't mind. Um, Lieutenant Governor, as far as I know, has not publicly responded. Um, no, no, I was this, wrong. It's the uh, attorney, ge- attorney general Paxton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the attorney general Paxton came out with a very dismissive statement and said, Drew Springer has been a bad senator. He had to retire. He couldn't get, a re- <laughs> get you know, reelected. You know, I didn't need his vote. I didn't need thing. his vote. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thanks that Springer got for his vote for acquittal. Um, but yeah, so Paxton came out and fiercely responded that way. The lieutenant governor, you know, who served as a judge in this trial, um, has not publicly weighed in on this idea of reopening the impeachment. Um, so we'll see if that changes. But I imagine lieutenant governor, you know, is pretty interested in putting this behind him and not revisiting this issue. Um, you know, it was such a political calamity for everybody involved in such a tough, grueling process with so much external force applied to, you know, the senators. I highly doubt Lieutenant Governor wants to touch this topic in any way going forward again. Uh, do you have any updates on the on the FBI's end of things, the, the legal, any uh, legal proceedings? You know, I do not. I know back around the time of the impeachment trial, there was some reporting that a federal grand jury in San Antonio was conducting its own investigation into the whistleblower claims. I haven't gotten any uh, update that I can share on that. Um, But, you know, I think it's just a reminder that even after that acquittal in the impeachment trial, Paxton still has a number of significant legal and potential legal problems on his hands. Um, You know, in his eight-year-old or nine-year-old uh, securities fraud case, he's currently set to go to trial in, in mid-April. Um, that's a state criminal case, you know, stemming from allegations from before he was the attorney general. So, I mean, there, he has a, you know, a multi-front uh, legal battle that he's engaged in right now. Davis? Well, can, can the whistleblowers who had agreed to settle uh, the case uh, against Paxton, and that's why Paxton went to the to, uh, Texas legislature when he was in session and said, "I need was it three point one million dollars to make this thing go away." And the three point three. Uh, yep. Say again. Three point three. Oh, three point so, three, so, three million. Yep. So then there was an investigation, and uh, then he's impeached. What is it? But so, but they haven't backed off. They have not. They're still pursuing their lawsuit, as I understand this, and. 
what is they it about? got their cash they haven't got their cash yeah, I mean, have they got right, their cash you know, yet no I, that's that's a fair question so why, why are the whistleblowers or at least some of them insisting on continuing this case you know i think at least for some of these whistleblowers it's it's about um more than just money um it's about clearing their names it's about extracting what they see as the maximum accountability for you know paxton um and i don't think they care about the money that much i, I you know i think that if you look at the way they've handled uh court filings over these past few weeks i mean they are dead set on having paxton sit for a deposition and more broadly dead set on having this case you know proceed toward trial um in travis county at the, at the district court level so the short answer there i guess is at least some of these whistleblowers i don't think money is their priority i think you know clearing their name and um having full accountability for paxton at least accountability in their conception of it is is their ultimate goal here what is the hey, what Patrick, is the attorney general would be afraid of answering what topic that's a, that's a great question i mean there's you know as we saw in the trial there is a whole array of sense of sensitive legal ethical and personal issues that are wrapped up in these claims um and then there's also the question of this this federal investigation that you mentioned um and whether he can say, would say anything in a deposition in this uh venue that could make things more complicated yeah. for him in the federal venue so i mean i think he just views paxton just views a deposition as just way too big of a risk given the uh web of legal issues that he's currently facing okay Hey, Patrick, I wanted to, uh, you, you had tweeted earlier that you're going to be having a, a bit of a change of scenery, that uh, you're going to be heading towards, a, you're going to be writing for a different outlet now. And I just wanted to say, well, congratulations, first off. You've always, you've always been very accessible to us when we've asked for yeah. you, and especially last minute, too. You've, you've, really, you've really come in clutch for us at, at a lot of times, so I just want to say congratulations. Uh, wh where is it that you're headed, and what are you going to be doing? Uh, thank you very much. Um, I'm leaving the Tribune to work for the Washington Post um, as a national politics breaking news reporter. And so, um, you know, I'll be helping out with their coverage of the 2024 presidential race and other big, um, you know, political events in, in what is going to be a, a pretty action packed election year. So so this is the into the liver of the beast for you, right? You're going to the heart of. Well, never mind. It's not as funny as that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, of I just want to say thank you guys too for all your all your uh, conversation uh, over the years. Always been uh, a pleasure to be with you. You're hey, very. Can we still can we still call you? Job. Can we still yeah. call you? What, what are you up to? <laughs> Stay tuned. I'll keep you posted on that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Right. I thank figure you, there's there's probably another gatekeeper we have to go through for that. Okay. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Appreciate it. That's Patrick Svitek from the Texas Tribune, soon to be Washington Post, joining us on uh, News Talk 710 KURV, your 956 Drive Home. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Hey, as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.
As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.